Wow, it's better and better each week seeing more and more faces in here. So let me just say what they've said already. Good morning, FCF. Yes, it looks so good. Well, we're in a second message of this series called uh, Good Ways to Share the Good News. And of course, in Scripture, we repeatedly have the message that centers in Christ as he's revealed God and God's kingdom that it's, it's good news. It's the best news that people can have. What I want to do in this series, though, is give you multiple ways that God gives to us in his word that we can share this good news, and and it's not hard. Last week, we gave you the very simplest of all, where God pointed us toward find those people in our lives that we feel the safest with, that are the most likely to respond well to us, and just invite them. Invite them to church, because church is the body of Christ. People are more likely to meet Christ, to encounter him, have their life transformed in churches. Today we're going to look at a different way that God gives us to share the good news, and that's just answer their question. And uh, I've probably experienced this one through my lifetime uh, more than any other one uh, that we'll share in this series. But I'm going to start by just asking this. How many of you, uh, (laughs) I'm going to be careful here, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. How many of you have people in your life that um, when you do ask them a question, you know, it it might be a very simple question, they, they have to kind of answer with a, an entire narrative. They, they, <laughs> how many, how many you, you don't want to look too close, but how many know people like that? Yeah, and, and there's something inside you, if you happen to be like me, that, that says inside, just answer the question. But if you derail them, it, it's futile. They'll just start right back over again. And uh, so you've had an experience. Well, well this actually happened. We, we, <laughs> this past week, we were, a um, number of us were in my office, and we were talking to the salesman who's offering a very, very good thing for our church. But anyway, uh, I asked a simple question, okay? Should have been able to answer it in two words, okay? The question was this. This is the first question of the conversation. How many years has your company been in business? All right? Two words. Eight years, 10 years, 20 years. You see what I'm saying? Two, two words. Well, <laughs> so it would seem. This guy, who was very gracious, very good, so I'm, I'm, you know, don't, please don't get me wrong, but he, he felt the need to really give us a kind of a large narrative. Now, when you have certain people, certain people whose minds get restless, not saying that yours is like that, but some people's minds get restless, and they're waiting, and this, honestly, this guy rambled on for about 15 minutes. Kid you not. Two words, 15 minutes. Uh, Here's what can happen. This actually happened in my office.
Yeah. <laughs> Certain people whose minds wander quickly. <laughs> but uh, he finally answered us, and again, not to make fun of the guy at all, but uh, we just wanted a simple answer, you know, and the answer did not come. Well, this, the message today centers in this one particular concept. Just answer their question. Now, here's what I want to say to you. In your life, in my life, if you're a follower of Christ, you are absolutely going to have times where God is going to cause your path to cross with someone else's path. And, and they're going to openly ask you questions, spiritual questions. Sometimes they, they initiate it out of the blue, sometimes not that way. But your path and their path is going to cross. And all you have to do, all you have to do to be mightily used of God is to just answer their question now we're going to see that this is sometimes it involves a little bit more than what it might seem on the surface but I want to start by just asking this how many have ever had that experience that you just you cross paths with somebody and the next thing you know they ask you a spiritual question of some sort can I just see your hands yeah tell you one quick story Back when I was still doing construction work, I was working with this one really, really vulgar, nasty old man. And the older you get and the more vulgar you get, the more pitiful it gets. It's all just kind of simultaneous. And, and I just used to just cringe working with this old guy because of the stuff that would come out of his mouth. And he would never call me Randy. He would call me Ron, Ron, Ron. I finally just started answering to Ron. I mean, what, <laughs> what's the difference? I mean, so I started praying, you know, oh, God. And I would always do this when I was doing construction work. I would pray that God would kind of give me an opportunity just to share Christ in some way so I'm praying and praying and this guy's getting nastier and nastier and weeks are cranking on and I'm thinking oh old man you're you're this close to the end of your life and you're just horrible you know next thing I know one day we're shooting hanger wires in a in concrete slab the, these ceilings like you have here they're hanging on wires believe it or not don't let it scare you the wires will hold but um, so we're shooting these wires with these steel pins concrete you know shooting in concrete and all of a sudden, this old guy, this nasty, vulgar old guy just says, Ron? And I said, yeah. He said, you know that Bible says the yellow race is going to rule. <laughs> My eyes got that big. And I was like, well, not exactly, but let me elaborate a little bit on that, you know. So when you pray and ask for opportunities, it has been my experience now for many, many decades, God gives them to you. So. I hope, I hope that some of you have experienced the same thing, but we're going to look at a case study today in Scripture where we're going to see God kind of causing paths of two people to cross, and all this one person has to do is just answer their question. So let's look, if we, we could, at the book of Acts. Well, actually, it'll be on the screen. Um, we're going to go back to looking at the Bibles near you under the chair because you're all, most of you are without masks now. So how, how many in here would still be uncomfortable touching the Bibles? Can I see your hands? Anybody? The lights are so bright. Okay, so we could probably go back to the Bibles anytime. Or let me ask you this. Do you prefer seeing it on the screen or do you prefer looking at it together in, in the Bibles? How, how many, you, you like it on the screen? All the above. So is that what you're saying? You're kind of both? Okay, we can do that. Here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered, now this was a persecution had broken out. The believers were forced to run. This is when Stephen was martyred and the apostle Paul was there. He was not Paul yet, holding the cloaks of those that stoned him. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. 
Philip, now this is not the Philip that we read about last week. This is a different Philip. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So he's in Samaria, and if you read the scriptures, lots of people are coming to Christ. Philip is talking about the kingdom of God, talking about Christ. People are coming to trust in Christ and become his followers. It goes on. Then it switches. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's about a 50-mile journey. Now, mind you, he, he's being very effective in Samaria, but the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Leave. I want you to leave this place where you're being very effective. Go about 50 miles south on a journey. It goes on. So he started out. Notice he was obedient. He responded. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, if you're ever reading this story to your little son or daughter, <laughs> inevitably they're going to say, Mom, Dad, what's a eunuch? And that's one of those questions that you just don't want to answer, do you, Mom or Dad? Some of you are wondering, what's a eunuch? <laughs> All right, not trying to be crude on a Sunday morning, but eunuchs were used in biblical times usually to guard harems, and they were, this is hurtful to say, they were castrated males. That's what they were. Okay, but it was not always used that way. Sometimes eunuch was just used of a certain uh, court official. This guy might have just been a court official. But here's how you answer your little child. If your little child says, Mom, Dad, what's a eunuch? You say, do you know what a unicorn is? And when their eyes get real big, you say, well, a eunuch is nothing like that. And then you go right back to the story. <laughs> anyway, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to what? To worship. Now, you and I read that, we might just say, okay, so he went to Jerusalem to worship. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. From where he was at in Ethiopia to Jerusalem was about a 1,500, uh, nearly 1,600-mile journey. 1,600 miles. Let me just put that in perspective. If he walked, it would have taken about two and a half months. If he took a chariot, which we know that he was in, we find out later on, it still would have taken about 52 days. 52 days up, 52 days back. Is this guy serious about seeking God? Oh, yes, he was. Please tuck that away. We're looking again at what I call... <laughs> low-hanging fruit it 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 is the people that are the easiest to reach they are already stimulated by the spirit of god they are open to god this man was open to god he's seeking god he he's worshiping god to the best that he knows him and he goes to jerusalem and now god sees this man's heart and says i'm going to give you the full revelation of god because i know who you are i know where your heart is at whenever a human being's heart is open to god god will see to it that they get the truth the expanded truth about god in christ that they need so anyhow this guy this guy takes this long journey just to worship he is hungry for god how many of you can remember a season in your life where all of a sudden something changed and maybe for a long time prior you didn't really think too much about god or care too much about god but something changed and all of a sudden you really got serious man you were thinking about god you were thinking about life you were seeking answers how many can remember that season in your life now some of us I know okay a lot of us some of us grew up in church but even if you grow up in church you can kind of be churched by your parents but then sometimes it takes a, a time when you as an adult or a young adult you kind of spiritually come alive yourself and start seeking well that's where this guy was at let's go on on his way home he was sitting in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet please bear with me this was also extraordinarily rare 
you, you couldn't get copies of the scripture. It's not like you went to your local bookstore or you plugged on Amazon and said, hey, send me a copy of Isaiah. Books were rare. And the only time that you could even get to the scrolls, mind you, all they had was the Old Testament. And the only time you could get to it was in a synagogue. The fact that this Ethiopian guy had a copy of Isaiah was absolutely remarkable. And he's reading it as he's making his journey, probably some 52 days, maybe two and a half months, uh, back to Ethiopia. He was on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip. Now, Philip, remember, he's heading from, you know, Samaria, heading south to Gaza. Their paths cross. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So he's just staying in proximity for now. It goes on. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, in this case, Philip asks the first question, but the big question comes later do you understand what you're reading philip asked how can i he said unless someone explains it to me so he invited philip to come up and sit with him in his chariot this must have been a big chariot or it could have even been a carriage the language here is a little difficult it goes on this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading he was led like a sheep to to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It goes on. In his humiliation, this is still talking from Isaiah. It's, it's Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 and partial of uh, verse 8. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Pause one, one minute before we go to the next slide. So this guy, this Ethiopian is reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Happens to be verse 7 and 8. If you ever read Isaiah 53, and I strongly urge you to do so, read verse 1 through 12, that's the entire chapter, it gives a graphic depiction of Jesus' life and sufferings and sacrificial death some 700 years before it occurred. Let me, let me tell you something really interesting about Isaiah 53. This is not in any way meant to um, you know, look down upon Jews or, or to be critical of Jews today, but, but here's the deal. In Jewish synagogues, they have a regular reading. They read, you know, each Saturday, each Sabbath, they read from the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, and then from the prophets, that's essentially the rest of the Bible. They have designated readings. They are calendared in advance. Now, here's what's fascinating. They would read Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 51, Isaiah 52, then Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55. What, what did I just do? How many people? I skipped Isaiah 53. True to this day, they don't read Isaiah 53 because they know how troubling that portion of Scripture is. They know that Jesus fulfilled it to the T. They try to explain that it's talking about the nation of Israel itself as the suffering servant, but it doesn't work. It doesn't fit the context, it doesn't fit the language. By the way, Every Jew that's serious about knowing their own scriptures should know that they are not in covenant alignment with God right now. You say, why, Randy? Because their temple is still sitting in ruins. That was a mark that God gave them that when the temple is torn down in derision that they have somehow violated the covenant. And so every Jew should be thinking back to Jesus' prediction when Jesus said just five days before he went to the cross, he said, you see this temple? It's all going to be torn down. 
in less than a generation. And sure enough, in less than 40 years, it was torn down. Jesus, just as Jesus said, 70 AD, Titus, Roman general, came in, destroyed it. It's never existed since. But keep your eyes open because there are people in Israel now that want very much to rebuild the temple. They have the plans already. They've made many of the relics that need to go inside it. You and I are likely to live to see that temple rebuilt as a final fulfillment of Scripture. Okay, I drifted. Let me go back. In his humiliation, it says he, he was... <laughs> in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Again, it's talking about Jesus. Now watch what happens. The eunuch asked Philip. So here's the big question. Just answer their question. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? when he's hearing about this suffering one. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about who? Jesus. Isaiah 53 was all about Jesus. Listen, Isaiah 53 is used, fragments of it are used some 85 times in the New Testament. Always, always the New Testament says that Isaiah 53, that was a prophecy, that was a prediction over 700 years in advance of Jesus, and it was fulfilled. So, Philip answers his question, but he goes a little further than answering his question. And I, and I want to get to that because he, here's what my experience has been. I'm going to kind of give away a little bit of part two of this message. My experience has been for many decades now that when someone is at that place where they're asking spiritual questions, and, and sometimes they may start it to be very vague spiritual questions. I mean, it could be on the outermost surface, like, well, how do you know that there's a God at all? Doesn't matter. What, I, what I've learned to be attuned to, this is a divine appointment. The Spirit of God has already found access to their hearts, is at work in them, and now I've been allowed to cross paths with them, and all I gotta do is give them their answer. And I don't have to go further than their answer. If they ask more, God will enable me to, to give them more. But I just, I just go there. But I also go with confidence that, that they are open to Christ and are most likely, most likely going to become followers of Christ themselves. I'm going to repeat that again. When you find somebody asking spiritual questions, it is highly likely, highly likely that the Spirit of God has already gained access to their heart and that they are going to become followers of Christ. So when you start having your neighbor, your friend, or your family member, or your work associate start asking you spiritual questions, you should just get pumped because although you may not be the one to have them step over the line and become followers of Christ, you have been chosen by God to be part of that process. And usually that process ends by them becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. All right. So there's our text now. Let's, let's kind of apply this practically to ourselves. First thing we need to do is just give them the answer. And don't give them the answer like the salesman did, or you'll have them, them doing push-ups in your office. You know, you don't, you don't want that. Give them the answer. And give them the answer, what I'm going to call winsomely. That there's a way to communicate with people that makes them want to talk to you, and there's a way to communicate with people that makes them not want to talk to you. Uh, I'm artful at both, evidently, <laughs> without even trying on the one. But winsomely, you know, Philip goes up and he just gets close to the chariot for a while. And, you know, he gets him used to, who's this guy, you know, walking beside my chariot. But then, then he finally initiates. He says, hey, you know, do you know what you're, do you understand what you're reading? He had to have done that 
in a very careful manner. He would have had to have said that to this Ethiopian eunuch who was a high official for the queen of Ethiopia. He would have had to say that in a very humble, a very polite fashion. You don't talk to people that are, you know, given dignitary sort of positions or high positions, authoritative positions in society. You don't talk to them dismissively. He would have been, had to have been. You've got to hear this, some of you. The Spirit of God will help you and I to become self-aware okay of the way we speak the way we make eye contact our voice tonality are we coming across humble if we ask the spirit of god will help us to be self-aware and aware of the other person we we can read their body language we can see how they're reacting we we, we can kind of know there there's a a very sensitized spirit sensitized process that God wants us to kind of get used to. So he answers him what I'm calling winsomely. It didn't, it didn't turn this guy off. It didn't seem disrespectful, and he was a high, a high official. So let me give you some verses that kind of give us some encouragement about winsome communication. Wise hearts are known for understanding what is right, and what kind of words make people want to learn? Kind. Kind words are powerful kind words they make people want to learn they open people up further kind of repeats it in verse 23 says the hearts of wise people guide their mouths and that means we think before we talk i think that philip was thoughtful before he spoke their words make people once again want to learn more when somebody asks us spiritual questions we can answer them in a winsome way and usually what happens is they will ask yet more questions they they will want to talk more about the subject now if they suddenly shut down we may want to get along with God and check out how we said what we said or maybe what we said in general okay now, now not always is that true because some people the scripture says when they are aware of the presence of God they they are repulsed by it it says that we are literally a scent of death to some people that are close-hearted but again my experience has been when a person is asking spiritual questions unless they're being obviously combative okay if they're asking sincere questions or engaging with us in sincere conversation in which spiritual matters arise, feel good inside because the Spirit of God has likely chosen you for a divine appointment and this person's heart is open. So we need to answer them winsomely and then, of course, we need to answer them reliably. We, we need to give them the truth. And this is where some of us get scared. Let me just read a verse. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Make every effort... To present yourself before God as a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth how? Accurately. Now, I know this is where we get jammed up because we think, you know, Randy, I, I would love to be used by God. I, I would love to be that person that crosses paths with a spiritual seeker and just have the delight, just the joy of being the one that God used to bring them closer to himself or to see them step completely over the line and become a follower of Christ. But Randy, what I'm afraid of is they're going to ask me something and, and I don't know the answer. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to just be standing there like a deer in the headlights. How many, you're, you're honest enough to say, that, that's part of my hang-up, that's part of my fear, that I just won't know the answer to what they ask me. Okay, I'm going to give you an answer today that in every situation you ever get in, doesn't matter what question they ask. I don't care how deep it is. You will forevermore have the answer. You will never have to be lacking in confidence for the rest of your life 
when someone asks you a question, I don't care how deep it is, you're going you're to know the answer to give them. How many would, would like that if I could give that to you today? All right, I'm going to give it to you. Here it is. Yeah, in fact, actually, you might want to get your pen and take note on this. Uh, everybody got? Okay, here it is. The answer you give them, I don't know. There it is. You say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I will go and find the answer and bring it back to you takes all the pressure off of us gives us an opportunity to go on a learning adventure many of the things that I've learned through the years I learned because they, it was stimulated by questions that people asked that, that I didn't exactly feel confident of the answer and it caused me to grow and to learn so when someone asks you a question a spiritual question but you don't know the answer please don't fake it Sometimes we're tempted to fake it, and we just start babbling, you know, spiritual-sounding stuff. Well, you know, uh, the, the church says, or the pope says, or I heard, I once heard someone say somewhere, and perhaps it means, don't, 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 don't wax eloquent on nothing. Just simply, humbly say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that myself. I'd love to, know, I'd love to be more clear on that myself, and I'm going to go and find the answer, and I'd love to come back and share it with you. That is effective usually 100% of the time now here's what I want to do for you I want to give you just just three or four resources that will be at your fingertips so that anytime someone asks you a question and you're not sure of the answer you will at least have three or four places you can go and run and get the answer now of course of course of course you can contact uh, our staff you can contact me you can contact Pastor Pete you can contact Pastor Kim we'll we'll do our very best to bring answers to you but I'm going to give you some other uh, places you can go now none of these are perfect just like we're not perfect either but you can get your answer maybe a little bit quicker so I'm going to put these on the screen, but you, you have them in form of a handout. Now, somebody has to remind me, I think, do they have to pick these up as they go out the door? Or Okay, as you leave, it's a, it's a little piece of paper this big, so it won't weigh you down or anything like that. Um, it's got these four links that I'm going to show you. So, so here it is. One is just christiananswers.net. You want, might want to jot this down so you don't even have to stop and get the paper going out the door. Another one is gotquestions.org. Once again, none of these do we think are perfect. Just like I'm not perfect, or Kim's not perfect, or Pastor Pete's not perfect, but nevertheless, we'll, we'll set you on a right course. Bible.org is another great resource. And then uh, biblequestions.org, Christian slash evidences. <laughs> That's kind of long. Anyway, you, you get it. Here's four great sources. So, we live in a day and age think about it back then like I was telling you before they didn't even have there was there was no New Testament the reason there was so supernatural act so much supernatural activity like the spirit you know telling Philip go and talk to this Ethiopian and the Ethiopian just reading this this scroll of Isaiah is because there was no New Testament it was being formed at this time angels telling people like Philip go 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 to Gaza well there was no New Testament now we have the full revelation of God at our fingertips plus we've got all this stuff we live in a day and age where, where there's these resources at our fingertips so we need not feel afraid anymore of people asking us spiritual questions that we cannot answer because God has put us at a day and time where the answers are at our fingertips all right so good ways to share the good news just give them the answer uh, give them the answer winsomely and reliably make sure it's grounded in scriptural truth but there's a second part of this once you give them their answer so remember they had a question 
the guy, the Ethiopian, asked Philip, who is this passage in Isaiah talking about, the prophet or someone else? And then the very next verse says, he starts speaking to him about Jesus. Now, now here's, here's what I want you to tuck away, and I've already kind of given this away earlier in the message. We're going to give them their answer, but we want to take them. We're giving them their answer, but then we want to take them to the answer. The answer to every spiritual question is the Creator Himself. The answer to every spiritual question is Christ Himself. And so when you have the experience of somebody asking you spiritual questions, like I said earlier in the message, you tuck away in your mind. They are really looking for the answer. They're not looking for just their answer, the immediate one. They are looking for the answer. And frankly, in their minds, they have a cluster of questions. They may not be well thought out in their minds. It may not be clear. But I guarantee you, when they ask you any kind of spiritual question, they really have a cluster of questions going on in their mind. And that cluster of questions all centers around the answer that every human being is looking for. Now, I'm going to share with you um, this cluster of questions. Here's what's really, when they're asking you, they might be asking you, well, you guys say that, you know, when you die, you rise again, you know. So it just could be any kind of a spiritual question. You give them their answer, you know, but know in your heart, here's what's really going on inside of them on some sub subconscious level, if not conscious. They really, want, they really want to know, God, who are you? What, what are you really like? What kind of a being are you? Are, are, you, are you judicial? Are you relational? Are you kind? Are you harsh? What kind of a being are you? What are you doing? What, what does this all mean? What, what's going on? Why are we here? Where do we come from? What, what's your plan for the future? This cluster of questions is behind the initial, seemingly perhaps innocuous, spiritual question. Second layer of questions. Second layer of questions. What are your plans and purposes for everyone and everything? They're, they really want to know this. What, what are you doing? What, what's your plan? What's your purpose? What, what's going on for everyone, for everything? What do you think? And here's where it gets personal. This is what they really want to know. God, what do you think of me? They're a little afraid of that one. In fact, I can remember, age 23, uh, when I came to Christ, one of the most terrifying things was that thought. God what do you think of me? Because I was sure I had, you know, I didn't know the Bible, but I was darn sure I had violated, you know, any laws that God had. And I was so afraid that perhaps I had done something that would put me beyond the point that God would ever have anything to do with me. I thought maybe I, I was just, you know, condemned and there was nothing. And so I wanted to know, what, what do you think of me in my heart of hearts? I was like, is there any chance, any chance at all that you could bear with someone like me? They're thinking of these things if they're not saying these things. What do you think of me? What do you want from me? Human beings, I want to know, God, I, what is it you want from me? What, what is it I have to do? I mean, can I please you? What, what pleases you? What do you want from me, God? And then the final one, what do you want? What does it say? What's the difference? For me. But because we, we want to we find out, God, I got my ideas about life and I got some things I like to do and what if you don't like the things that I like and what if you tell me to stop doing things that I enjoy doing and what if you tell me to start doing things that I don't right now enjoy doing I mean what 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 is you what do you got for me I mean 
Why do, you, why do you want me to do certain things and not do certain things? What do you have for me? Or do you have a good will for me? Do you have a good plan for me? Does my happiness, does my real ultimate highest happiness matter to you at all? These are the things, break through the curtain when you talk to people. These are the things that every human wants to know. And when we're uncertain about these, we will try to avoid God because we are very afraid that the answers will not be those that we want to hear. So you answer their question. It might be just some kind of innocuous spiritual question. You know, it might be like, well, why are there so many religions in the world? You know, don't, don't be pushed back by that. Answer their question, but know that you want to take them, like Philip took the Ethiopian, to the real answer. And the real answer is the truth about God as he has revealed himself now comprehensively and crystal, with crystal clarity in Christ. And that's what Philip does. He has complete confidence. The very next verse says that he starts preaching to him about Christ. So we need to take them to the answer that is Christ, and we need to take them confidently. Listen, don't ever be intimidated by another human being. This guy was a big-time official. He was a wealthy guy. He was a prominent guy. Philip was not intimidated because Philip knew something. Every single human being that you and I will ever meet, I don't care how successful they appear to be, every human being needs to have a union with their creator. And if they do not have that union with their creator, at very best, they are like a, a battery. How many of you guys have mechanical toothbrushes? You know, the, the battery? Yeah, man, once you go there, you'll never go back to this thing. I mean, I carry one of these things in between services, but, but, but at home, I'm all battery, man, all battery. <laughs> but, that, but those batteries can wind down, right? Batteries wear down. The best and the brightest, the most prominent, the most you know, seemingly effective human being is just at best a battery running down. But usually they're at worst, too. There's a lot below the surface. We are our own worst enemies. Never be intimidated by any human being. They need Christ as much as anyone else. We tend to have this idea that, you know, oh, yeah, well, I can see what that guy needs Christ. You know, he's a, he's a bomb laying in the gutter or something like that. No, everyone needs their creator. It says we were created by Christ and for Christ, and apart from him, life doesn't come together. It doesn't cohere. It makes no sense. It makes no rhyme, no reason. More importantly, we cannot be fully human and fully alive until we reconnect in trust with our creator Christ so like Philip be confident and you just start presenting Christ to them now don't get all weird and buggy eyed when you do it how many of you ever met people like that it's like they can be talking about you know normal conversation and their face is okay but then they start talking about spiritual things and they think you know they get all weird you know don't, 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 don't do that you know get along with God until you can get that one under control but, uh, <laughs> but confident, confident is good. Listen to this powerful, powerful verse from the New Testament book of Colossians, uh, Colossians 1.19. It says, for God in all his, what is the word? Fullness. Everything that there is about God. God in all his fullness was pleased to live where? In Christ. Christ is God completely revealed. L listen to me. What happened with Jesus of Nazareth on earth, 
The angels in heaven had never seen that before. They had never seen that part of God. When Jesus went to the cross, they knew who he was. They knew this was God in his fullness being revealed. They had never seen that part of God before, his sacrificial goodness. They, they were, had to be just shocked in awe that after Satan's accusations about God being some big power monger that was all about his own personal respect, to see God humiliating himself because of his passionate desire to win even a few of the humans that he created. And I guarantee you, heaven stood with their mouths hanging open. And this verse insinuates that. Let me read it. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, meaning Christ, God reconciled, that is a relational term, it is not a judicial term, reconciled everything to himself everything look what he's talking about he made peace with everything where in heaven now we usually don't think about heaven needing any reconciliation we usually don't think about heaven having unanswered questions but that scripture is saying that Christ's sacrificial death on the cross revealed a side of God that the universe had never seen before and it brought reconciliation to the angelic communities, some who were evidently needing it. You say, Randy, why would the angelic communities need it? Because Satan was once one of the heads of the angels, probably an archangel, and he led at least one-third of the angels in rebellion against God and probably put question marks in the minds of the other angels. I mean, his argument was pretty strong. God just rules because he's the most powerful, and he just wants us to live under him. He kind of has an ego need and he needs everybody groveling at his fingertips and God then is put in this position where he has to show that's not who he is I'm just curious how many of you have been falsely accused of anything I know it's a little bit of an embarrassing question but how many I'm serious how many have ever been falsely accused of something it is one of the most excruciating things we can go through because you look guilty even if you're completely innocent and half the people that know you are going to think you're guilty or are going to think maybe. And then your process of having to show that indeed you're innocent, it is, a, it is a totally uphill struggle. It's so uphill that God had to become human and then go to a cross and allow human beings to beat him up, to make fun of him, to humiliate him. And that's the only way he could show that all of his commands are based on sacrificial love, that, that he knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us so much that he would suffer and die to prove it. And so all, all this is, is wrapped up in the sacrifice of Christ. By the way, th th this is where you, you get the, uh, the real meaning of the atonement. The atonement me means the sacrificial death of Christ, how it's meant to bring God and man at one once again. As God revealed himself in Christ sacrificially, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The cross, the sacrificial death of God in Christ on the cross, totally demolishes Satan's slander. Remember, he lied to Adam and Eve. He said, oh, you know, he's just holding back from you. If you eat of that tree, you'll be like God yourself. He doesn't always tell the truth. You won't die and all these sorts of things. Well, now God has proven that he is trustworthy once and for all and completely demolished the slander of Satan. All that is, is held in that verse. Philip was confident. He knew, he knew that the ground that he was going to share with this eunuch was the best news this man would ever hear. You and I have got to have that confidence that when we share Christ, when we try to 
help somebody take a step toward Christ, we are giving them the very best gift that any human can give. It's better than giving them a million dollars. It's better than giving them a billion dollars. It's better than giving them an education. As good as all those things may be, when you help a human being come back toward their creator or reunite with their creator in trust, that is the greatest gift, greatest gift that you can ever give. And God gives us the privilege of doing this stuff of being the, the emissaries, uh, the ambassadors in his behalf. So take them the answer, and Christ is the answer. Take, them, take it to them confidently, and hopefully Philip wanted this eunuch to become a Christ follower. He, he was not just sharing conversation. He was intentional. He takes this 50-mile trip to Gaza because he knew it was a divine appointment. He wanted to see this man become a Christ follower. Look, look at this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, we, we, if you have put your trust in Christ and you are a Christ follower, it, it's not just that your sins are forgiven. That's wonderful. It's not just that you're, you're destined for eternity with God in heaven. That's wonderful. But right now, right here, right now, even though you may feel inadequate for this, right here, right now, we as followers of Christ, we are therefore Christ's, what is that word? Ambassadors. An ambassador is somebody that represents another country. We represent the kingdom of heaven. We are God's chosen spokesman. You say, Randy, I'm not, I'm not that kind of a person. I don't, I don't speak very well. Just follow the divine appointments because here's what God will do. God will cause your path to cross with somebody for whom you are the perfect conversationalist. Uh, your style, your thought processes, your background, your life experiences will, will perfectly mesh with the people that he'll cause your path to cross with. And you will be surprisingly adequate for the task, the divine appointments that God sends you on. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal. So God's appealing, but he's appealing through who? Us. You ever think about that? Why, why didn't the angel just go to the eunuch? You know, I mean, the angel says, Philip, I, I want you to go. I want you to, uh, you know, leave Samaria here where people are coming to Christ in droves, and, and I want you to go 50 miles away to Gaza, and uh, I'll tell you what to do once you get there. The angel doesn't even necessarily tell him he's going to meet somebody, but Philip knew enough to know to, to go. Why didn't the angel just go to the Ethiopian himself? The Ethiopian was seeking God. The man had made a 1,600-mile journey and a 1,600-mile back, 3,200 miles, just seeking God. Why didn't the angel go straight to him? Why don't angels appear in everybody's bedroom and say, hey, you really need to get yourself right with Christ, your creator? Because that's never the intention of God. What is one of the words we said for the church? The ecclesia, the called out assembly of God. We are the body of Christ. Anything that God's going to do on this planet, he's going to do it through you and you and you and you and me, which means we have this extraordinary privilege and opportunity. Man, I'm, I'm so tempted. I'm so tempted to drift. Um, I'm going to drift just a little. A little to the left, I'm going to drift. <laughs> that song available uh, I was sitting there trying not to bawl or standing there trying not to bawl when it was being sung and uh, I thought to myself or I had this thought rush through my head I don't have much I'm going to be frank with you I don't have much going I don't have a whole lot of horsepower you know I'm just a real 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 average guy but I'm going to tell you something what the secret if there's any secret of anything in my life at all it is this one thing at age 23 that was it, man. I, I made myself so utterly available to God. 
I gave my life in entirety. I've never shrunk back. You say, Randy, you've never have faltered in this? Of course I have. But I have never shrunk back. I have been available to God, 100% available to God. And I have found the secret that God will use anyone, anyone. Some of you, some of you, 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 it might be you're younger in here today or it might be you're older in here today. But God is trying to tell you, I will use you. I will use you beyond what you can ask or think if you will just make yourself available. I'm living evidence of that. I, I, I had not a lot going for me. But God will just take, he'll take any human being. We are therefore God's ambassadors. And God makes his appeal. He's appealing to people through us. And what is that appeal? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Trust in God was broken in the Garden of Eden, and now he wants us to come back to him and trust. He can't lead us into the life that he wants us to experience unless we trust him and willingly follow him. So we just need to answer their questions. Sometimes you just answer that one question, and then it leads to more and more questions, and you will be given that opportunity to give them or to take them to the answer the answer which is Christ now I want to give an example of something recently and like I say I've had so many of these through the years but a recent one that occurred there's a there's a lady in our church I'm going to put her picture up there and you you know her because she's often up here on the stage uh, doing the announcements and she leads our high school group uh, our, our teens her name is Katie and um, believe it or not this is her family she she doesn't even look old enough to have kids at all but she has if you count them not one, not two, not three, not four, not even five, but six, <laughs> okay? And um, Katie shared with me recently that, that her journey toward Christ, it took about three and a half years, and, and it was a questioning journey. Now, I was allowed by God, like Philip, I was allowed to cross paths with her about a year and a half into it. And... Um, it used to just be a ball for me because, you know, she would email me and she'd have questions or sometimes we'd talk personally, but she'd have questions. And I want to tell you, she, she didn't shrink back. These were, you know, not always the most easy questions to answer. I don't know that I answered all of them even that sufficiently, but I tried to at least give her resources. And that was the other thing about Katie. She was like that Ethiopian that made that long journey to Jerusalem and long journey back. She was so sincere. When I would urge her to go research something, she would do the research but after a year and a half, which I was on the second half of the year and a half, it was really a total of three years, she became not just a Christ follower, but, but a very, very gifted leader. And, and we have yet to see how wonderfully God's going to continue to use her. But it all started with just answering her question. So I believe with all my heart God has some divine appointments ahead for each of us if we will make ourselves available now I want to share a couple words that I put together if I could go to that next slide deep roots produce good fruits Katie had deep roots because she was asking those spiritual questions and she would do the work herself to get the answers she would ask but then she would do the learning deep roots Katie has had deep roots to her faith and it produced the good fruit that we see now. 
questions questions allow the seed of god's truth to be deeply implanted into our hearts and minds until they become formative foundational convictions katie when she finally came to christ she she had powerful dynamic transforming convictions about truth she knew what she knew she knew what she believed because she had asked questions skeptical questions i might add at times but she was also sincere enough to take the answers so this is a truism deep roots produce good fruits questions allow the seed of god's truth to be deeply implanted into our hearts and minds until they become formative foundational convictions all right here we go closing up how many of you would love to experience at least once in your life a philip-like divine appointment where god allows your path to cross with somebody else's path that ultimately god is bringing to himself and you get to be the ambassador how many would love to have that experience you're the person that just answers their questions let me see your hands put them high man there's no there's no better privilege or experience in life now second question how many of you believe that you even you you that feel at times like i have felt all through my life inadequate ill-equipped that you god will use you for his divine appointments to change lives can i see your hands on that one again god bless you that's it's confidence in god not in ourselves now it's possible that some of you today you're you're the ethiopian you 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 were still in the seeking process when you came here this morning maybe you've been seeking for years maybe decades some of you you've been right on the outside but you know in your heart of hearts you've never really put your trust in christ and become his fully devoted follower and this has been your divine appointment today you know that you know that you know God has been speaking to you today and he's saying today's the day you know you want to do it you know you've considered it today's the day put your trust in Christ become his follower and you will never regret it nor will anyone else that knows you for the rest of your days let's let's pray father help us to remember that you are eager to use us to be a part of your divine appointments in crossing the lives of others savingly. May we live to regularly make this prayer. Oh, use me, God. I am available. Give me opportunities to answer their question. Just answer the question. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.